0: hello and welcome everyone to another invent right tv show this is one of my favorite types of shows we have one of our students on and we interview our students sometimes that have licensed products but it's pretty rare that we have their licensee on but before i introduce the student and introduce the licensee um, i want you guys to watch this video so you can see ingrid's story and then we'll get into the weeds and have a bunch of fun with it guys so here we go let's look at this video
1: my name is Ingrid Mori. My first grandson was born three and a half years ago. And during that time, obviously, there were a lot of diaper changes. We all know that when a diaper needs to be changed, you have no control of the setting. I really came to not like putting diaper cream on because we end up getting more on ourselves than on the child sometimes. So I said there has to be something to do to get the diaper cream off and do this in a hygienic way. Once I started researching, I realized there was nothing out there that solved this problem. So I was excited to have a solution. Finger shields are super easy to put on and take off. Now you can apply a diaper cream, diaper ointment without getting it anywhere except on the baby's bum and your finger stays clean. As the designer and the inventor of the product, I see so many applications for parents caregivers any setting any environment any time you've got an easy clean solution. I'm very excited to be partnering with Baby Brezza in this process because really their philosophy is in line with mine. We want to help parents. We want to do what's better for the baby.
0: Okay, we're back. Ingrid um we have Ingrid Mori and we have David contract Ingrid Mori is an invent right student David contract is
2: with baby Bretza and he's a, what's your title David is your marketing manager or I'm the marketing team lead uh kind of like the VP of marketing and business development
0: well thank you so much for coming on I mean did did your company do that
2: video with Ingrid it's so cool how you guys work with inventors we did actually because you know it's really important to us if we're going to license a product we want to bring the inventor's story to life because um you know there's there's power behind that and it really draws out the problem and the solution and that's really you know what our brand's all about is solving problems for today's parents so you know by telling Ingrid's story it actually helps us market the product
0: cool you know how I want to start this off is uh, to talk a little bit about that it's uh, ingrid it just didn't just happen did it and no. it almost didn't happen and so i talked to you guys a couple of days ago and so i don't know if david wants to talk david talked about before maybe david you talk about how this almost didn't happen well,
2: no it, it's it's really uh, a great story and it's actually uh really educational for your students which is um you know no response does not mean no It may just mean person you reached out to is really busy and missed it. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, Ingrid reached out to me after one of my InventRight webinars, I think from March or April 2020, right after the lockdowns uh, went into effect. And she emailed me and I just didn't read it. And I deleted it uh, by accident, obviously. And a few months later, she decided to give me another shot. And thank you, Ingrid, for giving me a, a second, a second opportunity. And I responded probably within a day or so, which is my norm. But sometimes I get overwhelmed by emails, and um, I was like completely interested in her product. There was a really clear problem and solution, and it was unique and differentiated. And it really, it really met all of our criteria to at least take the next step and have a discussion um and if if she had just taken my no response to me no mm-hmm. then her product which is right here finger shields would never have happened so wow. i do think there's an important lesson in that ingrid did did can we can invent right
0: and your coach ryan take some sort of responsibility for teaching you to be persistent
1: teaching me to be persistent and really the whole process from I've always really been passionate about coming up with ideas. And I was like, you know, it would be great to invent a proper product, but I had no idea what that meant, what was involved. So I started by reading the book, Ten, one simple idea, and then really learning the 10 steps. And then that's when I signed up with the Invent Right program and started working with Ryan and really his persistence on keeping me on track and reminding me hey you need to go through this process really kept me going and you know there was a lot of things going on in my life at the time so sometimes i started stopped it but i always came back and knew i was going to do it and yeah it was considering and connecting with david that really brought everything together
0: I, i you know you mentioned that to me you said at times you weren't a model student and you kind of started and stopped a little bit but but you kept going and and you did have that persistence that we teach our students to have otherwise you wouldn't have sent that second email oh well he didn't respond and whatever I guess he doesn't like me he's not interested God knows what inventors think and and you kept kept moving forward so this is a this isn't a little deal guys just tell me like, this is not a little deal this isn't like some little products gonna sell over here in a few stores this is a big deal to me is that? David, would you say that's true? This is a even for you guys. This is a big, big deal, as
2: well. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Obviously, you know, and we've talked about this on some other webinars. uh, You know, we look to products that truly uh, address a real pain point, a big pain point, right? And do it in a unique, differentiated way. Uh, And I, I, I think I've shared this. A lot of inventors come with ideas that are too narrow. And two niche. Ingrid's, on the other hand, was like, "Wow, this is amazing. This this affects you know babies, you know, from zero to three, because that's that's uh, when you use diapers." And after a little bit more research, we discovered that two thirds of parents use diaper ointment or diaper cream, and two thirds of them are bothered. So, long story short, there's 20 billion diaper changes a year in the U.S., and there's about eight or nine billion of bothered parents using diaper ointment and I'm like, that's what I'd classify as a big opportunity. Uh, so we were very excited uh, on on many levels, uh, but one of them was the numbers, which is if you can penetrate a market size of eight or 9 billion usage occasions in one country, that's huge. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and now we can take this product and and roll it out around the world uh, so now we're going to magnify that eight or nine billion by, you know, I don't know, four or five fold. So yeah, we're very excited. Yeah. They're, they're, they're,
0: I mean, it's it's common sense to assume that a disposable product is going to earn quite a bit of money because people are going to keep repurchasing it. At the same time, I, I, we, we didn't talk about this guys before, but um, it seems environmentally friendly because it's it's footprint. It's not a large you know, wipe or something like that smaller. So um, I think my opinion is it's kind of more environmentally friendly, too.
2: Yeah, uh, and actually it's Ingrid can talk about it, but that's definitely something that she brought up, you know, early on, which is how do we make this a little more sustainable and eco-friendly when the core idea was disposable, which is the convenience and, you know, and doing research. And I, I always encourage your students to research the need state, research the consumer behavior, to put together you know, their selling story on why their product is necessary. We learned that if you're using diaper cream and you're trying to clean it off your fingers, you're probably using two or three baby wipes uh, and or water, uh, which is obviously a scarce resource. So if you just look at a finger shield and you just measure it versus a baby wipe, One of these has 50% less material than one baby wipe. So if you're using two or three baby wipes versus one finger shield, you're creating more garbage. So uh, the finger shield is more environmental and more sustainable. And that's an important part of the story because millennials, who are the majority of today's parents, care about this. Uh, And, you know, first reaction to to a disposable product is oh my god i'm not interested it's disposable it's terrible for the environment but then we point out it's 50 less material people are like oh that's good
0: you right, know it um, is. It is.
2: and we also realize that and uh that you know convenience drives this so even though we all want to be eco-friendly yeah. and eco-conscious 96 of diapers used today are still disposable so we have to balance things in our minds and in our marketing
0: well we have to do better and this is doing better it's not perfect but it's doing better yeah ingrid
1: i'm going to add just with that with david saying even two or three wipes even if you only use one wipe which is kind of how i came up with the concept i was starting to use one wipe on my finger as my finger shield when applying diaper cream this is still about half of one wipe
0: and those things aren't easy to tear apart. I mean, it's not like you're going to take scissors and cut it. And then is that how it came That's up? Right. Like you're you're just using it that way, and then you're like, "There's there's something here." Ingrid, you wrapped
2: your finger with the with the oh, wipe. I, mean, I took
1: the diaper wipe and stuck it over my finger as yeah. I was putting on the ointment, which is again, which kind of led to the growth and of the shape.
2: But but Andrew, the first prototype, because I remember after our first conversation. You know i asked ingrid if she had a prototype and she said that she had hand stitched some together uh you know made out of diapers and she had sent a few of those uh to us you know literally you could see the, the stitches
1: <laughs> i put it on my sewing machine took a diaper because i knew i wanted the non-woven fabric and mm. even went to the fabric store they didn't have any thin non-woven so I, okay the diaper is really the fabric i'm looking at so cut apart diapers, which was a very tedious process because the insides just spread everywhere and then um, use that outer layer. And that's how I made the prototype and sewed it on the sewing machine. And the final product is really the identical size and shape to what my prototypes were.
0: But now making a prototype like they're obviously not going to sew each one of these. And so, David, uh, were there any issues with getting this thing manufactured? There always is some issues. But were there some issues
2: to figure out? Well, of course, you know, uh, you're right. We weren't going to hand stitch these. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't <laughs> um, make
1: it seal it either all the way. Fingers are
2: sitting yeah. there sewing yeah. In her, her yeah, sewing yeah, that would be a lot of uh, stitching. <laughs> so, no, I mean, we have a great You know, one of the reasons why you why you would license a technology or a product to a company like ours or any other brand company is because we have that know how. So we know how to make products. So you know, my team, you know, once they saw Ingrid's prototypes were like, all right, you know, we're going to make this like diapers, right? Diapers are heat sealed. So two pieces of fabric with high heat are sort of almost melted together in a nice way. And uh, there's machinery that does that. So we found a a partner who has that expertise, explain what we wanted to do, they costed it. But we did have to go through many samples. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't remember exactly how many, but it probably was you know, four to six to get it right. And, you know, heat sealing is a, um, it's not a hard process, but it's, you know, you have to do it right and you want it to look nice. And I think, you know, here's a, here's an example of the product. And when I talk about heat sealing it's the top layer is fused to the bottom layer Mm -hmm. and you know, it's fused and there's little pins in the tool. So you, you, it leaves a little bit of an indentation around the edge. We wanted that to be, Perfectly even. We wanted the pins to be, uh, to leave the indentation, but not a hole. And it took us a couple stabs at it to get it right. And we got it right. And it, they look great. And um, I love honestly those. They're really soft. Like I know you guys can't feel them, but they're, <laughs> really, they're really soft.
1: And I want to add to it that that seam, even though it looks like a seam, it's completely soft and you don't feel it or notice it. So when you touch it, it doesn't feel like there's a scene and then the bottom layer is totally sealed and david would know what what it is but that's what makes it completely grease proof
2: but no right. you, could, you could be scratchy babies aren't fussy at all they're okay with the that's scratchy one right. yeah, they're right. okay that's i will funny. tell you actually one of the biggest questions we had to answer was should this angry will probably remember this should this cover one finger or two fingers oh okay and i was very uh i don't know i it was strongly felt it should cover one finger and our ceo thought it should be two (laughs) i was like well maybe we should do research and we did we talked to a couple hundred consumers and asked them you know diaper diaper cream users do you typically apply diaper ointment with one finger or two fingers it's a weird question (laughs) yeah it's an odd question but uh the data was very clear I, i i think it was like <clears throat> Excuse me, two thirds or three quarters um, use one finger because the reason why is you're very precise with one finger and you limit the mess.
0: Um, and you and can if you need more,
2: it. you can move it around. You you know? Know? Like, right. right. So, you know, what, I, um, what I absolutely love about
0: this example is, and it's great, guys. So, Ingrid just did this very big deal with David with baby Bretza, and she didn't know this stuff about the heat sealing and all that. She sewed it. You know, and they figured that out. So it's a great example that when inventors think they need to know every little thing about how this thing is manufactured, they don't Now, Sometimes there can be issues and you work with the, the company and you figure it out. Sometimes you can't figure it out. In this case, it was not a problem at all. But Ingrid didn't know that David still licensed it. I think this is a great example of that people ask about it all the time. People sometimes they, they feel like they need to go out and spend five or ten thousand dollars on a prototype. And and it's it's the prototype's not even made how you guys would make it. So it's like, whoa, you didn't need to do that. Now,
2: sometimes you do, but very rarely do you. So yeah, I, love, I, I love would that. I would say from my perspective, the prototype's not that important. What's much more important is the problem that you're trying to solve, the size of that problem, the severity of that problem and the uniqueness of your solution and proving that it actually solves the problem. That's, if, if you're, to me, as, you know, sort of had a business development who licenses technologies and products and markets them, if you get those things right, our manufacturing research and development teams, they'll figure out how to bring it to life. I'm not worried about that. I need to make sure that the market opportunity is big enough to justify using the resources to act on the opportunity. So I would encourage your students focus on those front end things. Mm-hmm. You know, make sure your idea solves the problem and it's manufacturable, but you don't have to figure out how to manufacture it. Right. That's what your partner will figure out.
1: And I think that was something though for you having this prototype in hand, you and your team were able to really put it on and go this really works just as marketed. And I
2: would said, yeah, I mean, it it does help to bring it to life. But if you don't get those foundational things right, then the prototype right. will fall flat. Yes. So, And again, to your point, the prototype can be crude. It can be, you know, like, you know, like Ingrid did stitched at home on a sewing machine. It doesn't have to be perfect.
1: And it wasn't grace proof.
2: <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And it didn't it didn't actually repel the, uh, the type of Reimann, But we but got the idea.
0: <laughs> I want to I want to ask you, Ingrid. Um, we like keeping it real here at invent right and so you know this wasn't like you you read our book and then you signed up with our program and then you licensed something overnight was it i mean you you stuck with this you had ups and downs sometimes you weren't really doing some work and then you came back and you did the work but you stuck with it so can you talk about the ups and downs a little bit in the timeline
1: Uh, i think well i originally came up with the idea four years ago But at that time, I was running a very successful nonprofit and very busy, so I didn't have a lot of time to pursue it. But I just knew it was there. And I had previously come up with other ideas as well. But I knew that when I was going to bring a product to market, I wanted to go for something that was going to go big. I didn't want to go with something that was going to be very small in a very niche market. So I kept coming up. And then I came up with this idea. And it was exactly two years ago when the lockdown started. My second grandchild had just been born. I said, okay, let's do this. Let make, let's make it happen. And I was home. I had the time. So I really kind of put everything together, filed my provisional patent, did that whole process, heard David's podcast, reached out to him. Nothing happened. And then again, got busy with some other things. He
0: was ignoring you. I know, I know. I'm just
2: yeah. <laughs> no. I was playing hard to get.
1: the timing wasn't right as we discussed because maybe at the beginning of COVID and the lockdown they wouldn't have been as enthusiastic and then honestly we were on vacation at the beach labor day weekend and i set a goal before i was leaving my vacation at the beach i was going to reach out to a handful of companies one more time and really pursue it and i did that monday afternoon labor day and yet david i think he responded within 24 hours I must admit, I missed our first meeting with you and Steven, the president of the company, because we got the times messed up for the Pacific (laughs) time. So they're all waiting for me and I'm nowhere to be found. But we reset the meeting um, and really hit it off right away. And I could tell it was the team that I wanted to work with just because the communication has been wonderful and we've really worked through it together. And they listened to my idea and what I saw was important. From like doing the research, do we want two fingers? Do we want one finger? Um, so it's just been a great journey. But a two
2: finger, one finger question. Well, and even the name. So yeah. you know, I think uh, Ingrid had a name at the beginning. Tidy, tidy,
1: <laughs> tidy touch.
2: Tidy touch. Cute. Right, and um, we liked it, but we we were you know in the world of marketing, you know, naming is obviously really important. And you know, we always like to have a name that is catchy, but descriptive, right? So that when you hear it, you immediately can can, can sort of conjure up, what does this do? Tidy Touch didn't feel direct enough to us. And uh, then we we sort of uh, came up with Baby Glove and, it, and we could not bring it to life. I don't know how many logos we sent to Ingrid, it wasn't working. I was like, nope. No, no they weren't working, none of them were. And then i sort of stepped back and was like all right it's not tidy touch and it's not baby glove and we didn't want to do any research because we did not want to you know one of the risks with doing research is you share the idea and you know you uh you run the risk that somebody could actually hear about it and do something with it so we were determined not to do a concept on this product because we thought it was so unique and you know the reality is that um this was you know um it's 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 a patent. Ingrid has a really strong patent, but you know, in the world of patent protection, they can be gotten around. So we were like, we're gonna we're gonna keep this idea very close to the vest. So then one day we were brainstorming internally and came up with finger shields. And we really liked it because it conveys immediately its benefit. It's a mm-hmm. shield for your finger. Um, and then we came up with a catchy, or at least we think catchy, catchy logo with the finger. And, um, and what I, we also liked about it is that name can apply to other categories, right? It's not baby specific because this product has benefits beyond baby. So um, luckily Ingrid and, and her husband liked it because it was the name we really liked. <laughs> but well, um, nine time, I guys, for you guys watching nine times out
0: of 10, the company does not use your name we we see with our students sometimes but it's really common and ingrid was smart she wasn't like well damn it i'm not gonna do this deal if it's not this color it's not this name you know i mean she wasn't doing that
1: and when i went into it i always said i was not set on the name tidy touch and i honestly didn't dwell on the name either when submitting my product because i realized that wasn't the most important part so i came up with something that i liked was i in love with tidy touch no but was effective enough and had, it was catchy on my video. When I made my prototype video, it was catchy. So you were like, what does that mean? But I never thought it was going to be the final name. Mm -hmm.
0: So I kind of have
1: my own marketing thought when I came up with that name.
0: Do you, what, what is, what is the, one of the biggest takeaway you have for our audience with regards to licensing products when it's your first time around, this is your first time you've been an inventor, like our audience for a long time and coming up with ideas, but actually reaching out to companies is new, right? And so what's, what's your best advice there?
1: Really to listen. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's important to make a lot of contacts, but when you're talking to people, when you're getting feedback, listen to what they're saying, because not every product is going to be right for the market and your coach is going to help you with that too. So find something you're passionate about. But don't be so set and stuck on what you're doing. Take the feedback. Maybe you have to adjust your product. I mean, I was lucky with finger shields that this was really it. And I felt like it hit a home run when I came up with it. But I've had other ideas that are all sitting on my desk right now still. And that had many reasons why they didn't make sense. So Mm
0: -hmm. I always
1: say persistence, but also listening and being flexible
0: and doing your research in the micro category, all the other stuff in that space, really, because when you contact somebody like David, he knows the space, right. uh, the products that he works in. And so if he's like, well, did you even do your some companies? I think they're just did the inventor even do their research. They Google this for five minutes or not, you know, well, and yeah. that's
1: what was so interesting with this, because the concept was so basic. I said this idea has to exist. Mm. And I was convinced or the concept of a finger glove with a tail, because the tail is really what makes it unique. I'm like, this has to be here. And then when I did the patent research and all that, I'm going, it really doesn't. So never dismiss an idea either as being too basic or saying this obviously exists.
0: As long as it offers a clear benefit and your product does. David, um, I think you illustrated the other day when we were talking how easy it is to just open the package and stick your finger in there. It's like, it's just, it's really convenient. Can you show that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And that was actually something that uh, when we, so we focused first on the product. And then once we felt like, okay, you know, we have the product and we know how to make it, then we focused on the package. We always wanted the package to be easy to use, you know, and even, even, uh, you know, one handed. So uh, we developed this uh, flap. So you just open it up. And then you can just, I'm sorry, you can just Slide your finger in. It's a little, little. Oops. Right. He did it yesterday, and he I was did like do perfect. it yesterday. And now it's not better. working as easily. Sorry about that. So you can slide your finger in, and then you can slide it out, and it sort of ends up on your finger like that. So it's it's um, the less that are in here, the easier it is because because there's more room for your finger. So this is a new package, but that's important, right? We want it to be easy uh easy for the uh consumer to get the product out on their finger and go right into the diaper change
1: and it's also nice because the tab is sticky so it's resealable so it keeps them clean but it's not super sticky it's very clever because when i was i was impressed the first time i used it because it really pops on and it just keeps coming back on and off sealing it up so if you put them in your diaper bag you're taking them on the go or they're around the house it really works well David. Yeah,
2: I mean, it was, de- it was designed just like a baby wipes package, that same right. sort of sure. soft, Familiar. soft material sense. with the resealable flaps. Wipes have it, you know, cookies have it now, you know, Oreos, my favorite. So, <laughs> um...
0: <laughs> David, companies are always telling us that the sell sheets or marking materials that they get from InventRight students are so much better than what they get from the general public. Did Ingrid have a good sell sheet and did that impact how quickly you were able to understand the product?
2: I uh, believe she did. I have to be honest. I don't remember. It was a while ago, wasn't Uh, it? It was a a while ago, but whatever Ingrid did got my attention. I don't remember if it was a sell sheet uh, or a video or both, but I think the key was she made it really clear what the problem was and the bothersomeness of the problem. So, um, and the solution and how unique it was. And I'll tell you, you know, it resonated with me because not only because I'm in the baby marketing space, but I have three kids and I used A and D ointment. So, and I thought it was a pain in the ass to take off of my fingers and nails. Less nails than fingers, obviously. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is brilliant! Like it was instantaneous." Um, And I immediately said, damn it, why didn't I think of this? Uh, (laughs) Because I like to think of myself as pretty creative. So, um, you know, I would tell your students, again, start with the core idea. What's the problem? What's the solution? Make it super clear. Um, You don't have to write a book. I don't have time to read a book. Make it super clear. A few bullet points, a sell sheet, a video. Just you have very few you know you you don't get that much time right you get 15 to 30 seconds mm-hmm. um and if you can strike a nerve with the person on the other end obviously it helps i had familiarity with this which clearly helped but it's not required it just helped um so ingrid what did you send me i don't really remember
1: i sent you both a cell sheet and a video and i'd actually filmed the video with my daughter and we used a doll on the video and then um turned out that my daughter's friend who i knew really well she does the edit she did the editing putting it all together for us invent Ride had helped me with the sell sheet and so it was all very basic but you know illustrated the idea clearly effectively um i talked about both the problem it's solving as well as what's out there in the market and why they don't work or why yeah. this is more effective
2: And that's good because it shows that you know, you know, what, what the other opportunities or solutions are and, you know, again, why yours is better. I'll tell you, Andrew, a lot of times I get sell sheets and it's one tiny additional bell and whistle Mm -hmm. to an existing product. And I'm like, it's just not differentiated enough. And I think it's a trap that a lot of inventors fall into, which is, oh, well, if I just add X, like, let's take Ingrid's product, like finger shields. Like an example would be, okay, I have now printed finger shields. So they're gonna be printed instead of white. Like that's not big enough of an of a differentiation or an idea to get somebody's attention, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it would violate her patent. So let's set that to the side. But my point is like again, you want something that's really robust. And I get a lot of narrow, niche type products or pain points. Or solutions and I'm not interested because and a don't... lot of the
0: times if the inventor looked at all of their products in that space they'd realize they don't really have that much of a point of difference but right. they think about a little bit more oh let's let's make it a little give it a little more oomph you know change it up you know so it doesn't mean you necessarily have to ditch the product it might just mean you need to keep thinking on it to make it just that little bit you Have better. to keep
2: thinking but um I would tell your students that I think sometimes you get so attached to your idea that you start to believe it's so much more robust than it really is. Mm-hmm. And that takes on a mind of its own. Sometimes it's good to ask other people, right? You know, hey, be honest. Is this really differentiated, unique? Is this big enough? You know, you have to You have to sometimes put your ego and pride to the side. And you said it earlier, listen and, and be open to feedback. Uh, cause a lot of ideas, like I said, that come to me are not. And I know a lot of, I feel awful telling people this, you know, cause I know they've invested a lot of time and effort and they feel passionate about it, but you have to be realistic about it too. And the best way to do that is to talk to other people, um, who are not as vested, who can give you honest feedback.
0: And, and guys, when a potential licensee like David gives you feedback, thank them. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'll think on this. If I can come up with something, I'll let you know. If I can come up with a fix and, and take your time and think on it. It might come to you weeks or months later. That's OK, the, invent- the, the the company will still be there. The marketing manager will still be there. You can reach back out. But I think what David's saying is so true. Become fixed, so fixed in your mind as to what the product is. You're, you're inflexible. So inventors are super creative, but then because they've been thinking about it for years, they lose their creativity with that one particular product so ingrid and david are offering incredible advice there and ingrid knows what she's talking about she just did this deal with david so she's a pro now and we're gonna see some more from you right ingrid
1: um right now this is taking pretty much all my time um i also want to and i'm having a great time working with i'm gonna have
0: a separate talk with you offline about working on more of your projects (laughs) okay you're gonna keep
2: going you're gonna keep um i I think she wants to enjoy being a grandparent for a little bit yeah that's Um, great (laughs)
1: Well, and I wanted to share one thing because it was really something that meant a lot to me too, when we talk about feedback. So when I was trying to license this, I was reaching out to a variety of people and I actually got a call from one person on a Sunday morning and he said, you know, this isn't right for us, but keep working on it because you have a really good idea.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that, yeah. re- that really meant a lot to Sunday me. Sunday morning. Sunday morning, I got the call <laughs> and he said, Hey, I just wanted to let you know. This is good, but it's not right for, you know, I can't help you. Mm
0: -hmm. You know, oddly enough, our students get irritated by that. They're like, well, they said it's not right for us, but it's a really good product. I'm like, why are you irritated by that? You just need to find the right company now.
1: Yeah.
2: You know. No, and that's a really good point because, um, you know, it's interesting, you know, when Ingrid reached out to us, we were not really in the diapering space. um, Although as a company, we are the number one manufacturer of diaper bags. So it wasn't a big leap to make for us. Uh, so, you know, be thoughtful about who you reach out to, because if it is too far afield, most companies are probably like Ingrid heard going to say, it's not in our wheelhouse. Um, you know, and I don't know if Ingrid knew that baby Bretza was part of the Batesh group and we were the number one diaper bag manufacturer. I know I did the invent right webinar, you know, but you know, if you, you have to also feel good. The person you're reaching out to, it makes sense for them strategically. You know, here's what I would share with you think of brands in terms of bullseyes and so the center is where you are today for the consumer to allow you as a brand to move from the center to the next ring that is that's you know it's it's one immediate adjacency in their mind so if i make like a formula pro machine which is a, like a baby keurig one one ring out is a bottle because i use the bottle with the machine Mm -hmm. or a descaler to clean the machine. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'm not going to necessarily go from machine to a crib. That's many rings out. Yes, they're both related to babies, but now we're going from feeding to sleep and soothing a piece of gear. That's a big leap for the consumer to make. Mm -hmm. And they don't always give you permission to make that leap. Now, if you're Apple, you can do whatever the heck you want because they have such an amazing brand and they but but apples define themselves not by a category they define themselves almost by a lifestyle and a and a uh easy technology that makes a difference in your life so as long as it delivers on that apple can extend but most brands don't spend billions of dollars a year on the brand image you know we don't (laughs) so we we work in adjacencies and uh so that's what i'm saying like think about where the brand or a company that you're targeting is, and is it one adjacency at most two from where they are? Because if it's beyond that, I think you're going to be told immediately, "Not in our wheelhouse. We're not interested." Right,
0: right. Wow, you guys have great advice, Ingrid.
1: But along those lines, i was also gonna say, you know, there was one company that I thought for sure this was a great fit because they have a lot of small, simple products. For the design for the baby market and i thought okay this is an obvious i got one of my fastest no thank yous from them
0: oh. and
1: it was really interesting it was like okay why and you know and i didn't follow up more because by then i was talking to david moving forward and found i had found a better spot to be but it's also don't get discouraged when you see something as an obvious fit and they say no that's okay. There may there's a company, another one out there, and you never know what's going on internally. Why at this Man. point you're not the right fit?
0: And, and guys, this is this is very normal. It's normal for some of our students to have to reach out seven, eight times before some companies reply. Some three or four. Some, you know, you call up and they're like, "Oh yeah, that's Bob. He likes email. Send an email the very first time." But that's not usually the case. So what Ingrid experienced with David is very normal. And what I'm always telling you guys is. Marketing managers are super busy and overwhelmed with everything they need to do people in corporate America are doing like two or three people's jobs. The fact that Ingrid needed to reach out a second time and David accidentally deleted the email is extremely normal and so be persistent guys that's one of the biggest things that, that Ingrid and David are trying to tell you here. Um, don't be an obnoxious pest emailing him every two days or anything like that do not do that that'll turn somebody like David off right David I mean big time
2: yes yes no i mean be be you can be persistent but but you know nice about it and you know you have to be creative too if you really want to get and get you know a response from somebody you personally believe it's right you know if email doesn't work you know people forget but there is such a thing as a telephone uh (laughs) and you can call you know i i in my career i'll give you a quick example i helped a friend of mine launch the first liquid filled mint this is going back a ways and we read an article that 7-Eleven wanted to be one of the leaders in launching innovative confections products. So we reached out to the guy. I think we left him one or two voicemails, no response. We FedExed him a product. We sent him a sample and he responded within two days. So I I only say that because you have to use your creativity to connect with the people you're interested in. Make sure it's right and you're not wasting your time or theirs, but don't, don't just rely on email. I think everybody relies on email and it is not Mm -hmm. the most reliable medium
0: yeah linkedin email phone other methods we have some other unique methods we teach our students as well so i want to thank you ingrid and david you guys are not only really smart people and creative people but you're also really kind people you're good people i know you both very well And, and thank you for coming on and sharing your your story together and i hope that we can get more the fact that david comes on to our youtube show with the inventor that he licensed the product from says a lot about his company so thank you and him in particular thank you david
2: my pleasure it's been great i'm thrilled ingrid found us and um you know, the product launched last week. So check it out on our website, babybrezza.com. And if you have a baby, this product's for you.
0: Oh, yeah. Ingrid, <laughs> v- virtual high five. Here we go towards the camera. Here we go. Virtual high five. There we go. Virtual high five. Okay. And I also <laughs> want to say
1: thank you, because without both of you, without Invent Ride, without you, Dave and Baby Veda, or Baby Betta, Brezza, I wouldn't be where I am either, because it really right. takes a team to get here, because Invent Ride taught me what to do, how to do it, and you've brought it to life so i thank everybody on both teams
0: for that thank you thank you everybody Absolutely.
2: sweet take, all right bye care, thank bye. you very much
0: keep inventing catch up with you guys next time Thanks. bye bye, bye. bye.